Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter number 7. I teased with you last week that I'm going to stretch this injury out for uh, for weeks so I can wear nice Nikes on Sunday and be nice and comfortable. But no, seriously, I do want to heal, so I'm, uh, I'm teasing with that. Romans chapter uh, number 7. I know that my dress offends no one, but, you know, I just wanted to make, make a light joke about it. Well, I would assume that it offends no one. Hopefully it doesn't. Romans... Seven and uh, last week we uh, we started talking about understanding how you and I uh, ought to use the law with the people that are in our lives, whether that be in our children or whether that be you know those that are around us. Using how can we how can we effectively uh, use the law? Look at verse number seven of Romans seven, and then. Uh, I'd like to uh, get get, uh, get into our lesson here. It says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. And I'm going to remind you what the principle that we pulled away uh, last week was. And it was this, Your children need God's law, but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. Okay, that's kind of what our takeaway was. I'm going to kind of drive that home even a, a little bit here again this morning. Every parent knows that their, that their child needs to, needs to grow. Every parent knows that their child needs to mature and to change. And as a parent, uh, you know that it is your job to help them form character. Okay? To help them with their obedience and with respect and humility and will and honesty and willingness and so on and so forth. You you know that it's part of your part of your DNA as a parent to uh, to, to do that. So as a parent, and I being one, and you if you are one, or if you can apply this in another way, you and I, when when we think of we think of change that that needs to take place. You and I, we're going to we're going to go to some some form of a toolbox, so to speak, to bring about that change. Okay, and then you're going to begin to become very confident in that tool because it is what you become familiar with. It could be uh, very effective for a period of time. Certainly, when you're dealing with little children, um, you know it could be. Uh, the law can be very effective when they're when they're really little. They don't fully understand grace. They're going to take serious advantage of you if you're giving your two and three year old grace all the time. Okay? They don't they don't understand that. And so, but what's going to happen is we're going to go to that toolbox over and over again, and we're going to um, use it again and again, situation after situation, and child after child. And the the the, the change tool that you've placed your confidence in will not only be the tool that you reach for when change is needed, but it will also be the lens with which you assess situations in your life. And so I want us to stop, as I do most weeks, and I want us at the very beginning here, I want us to kind of open up our hearts a little bit. I want us to just, rather than say, no, no, this isn't for me, or anything like that, just ask yourself this question. If we were to look at the last six weeks of the way that we've lived our life, 
or the last six weeks of the way that we've parented, if we have children, but the way that we've lived our life, what is it that often we use to bring about change? What is it that we often will go to to instruct that child, to bring about the, uh, the, the nurture and the, uh, the character, the honesty, all of the things that we as parents desire in our children, what would we conclude is the primary tool that we rely upon? Okay? So what I want us to do now is I want us to try to, as we try to answer that in our minds, I want us to try to find the balance between using grace and the law. Okay? The balance between, uh, between the two. Okay? First of all, hear me say this. Your children need the law. Okay? Your children absolutely need the law. Okay? It, 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 look, again, look again at verse number 7. We'll go to other, uh, other texts here, but look again. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Okay, and so our children, really any child, any person, is born into this world with a desperate need for God's love. Why? Because every child comes into this world. Let's not get upset because the children are over there. They, they all come into the world as fools. All of them. Okay? They come in not knowing what is right and wrong. Not knowing um, what they should say and what they shouldn't say. Okay, And so they need the grace of God in the law to show them, hey, this is, this is the proper path. And apart from God's law, human beings would not have a clue how they're supposed to think. All you've got to do is look at our society to know that you get rid of the law. I mean, we can go back to just literally the Ten Commandments, right? You get rid of the Ten Commandments and you have what you have. Okay? We were talking uh, the other day that um, a lot of the product of what you see in the world around us, let's be honest, it's from being told that we came from monkeys. It's from the fact that, hey, you know what, if we've, if, if we've just evolved, you know what, we, if, if we came from animals, then guess what? We can now act like animals. Okay? If there's no law, if there's no, if there's no guiding principle, if there's no, um, if there's no um, you know, kind of rudder, so to speak, I mean, we're going to go all over the map. And everyone's going to just say, "Hey, this is okay. This is just this is just what I think." There's no there's no there, there, there's no moral code. There's nothing. There, we don't even know the questions to ask. And I've joked about this over the uh, over the years, where I don't have any cash on me, but I've gone up to Rick a couple times, and you know, I give him like a five dollar bill, but I say, "Hey, here's your fifty dollar payment." It's not a it's not a fifty dollars. It's not a fifty dollar bill. Who's on the fifty dollar bill? Who knows? Who is it? Franklin. So. It's, it's not a grant. Sorry, I, I, I can't hear. You know, so much ibuprofen for my knee. All right, who's on a $100 bill? Franklin, there we go. We call those, what, a C note, right? So I give Rick a $1 bill, and I say, hey, here's your C note. 
And he's like, it's only no, 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 this is a $100 bill to me. If, you, if we have no absolute truth, then we're in a world of hurt. And we, we live in a world where they claim that there's no absolute truth, and we're in a world of hurt. It's all around us. Chaos in the way that people think. And so this is how people come into the world. Okay? Every child that's born into this world, whether you are the biological parent or God has kind of put you in shepherding of the, of the next generation, they absolutely need the law. Okay? Children were not made to, were not made to self-govern themselves, nor were you or I. We were made to be very dependent upon God. And so God in his wonderful mercy and his glorious way of doing things, he gives us the law. And it's mercy. God didn't just create us and say, hey, do whatever you want. Instead, God says, hey, this is how you glorify me. And by the way, here's the steps in which you can. So he gives us a law. Okay? Now again, this morning is going to be, how do, we, how do we balance that? Okay? Uh, the law is meant to protect your child from themselves. All children come into the world as sinners. This means that all children are a danger to themselves. And they need protection that God's law gives. Because God's law provides your children with guiding and protecting wisdom that they wouldn't have on their own. But I believe there's another way that God uses the law, okay? That is good for the next generation, that's good for children, it's really can be good for us. It provides them with the grace of conviction. Okay? Now, follow follow this train of thought. If there's no law. If there's, if there's no right or wrong, then how would we ever feel bad about what we've done? Do you realize that there's people in prison today that do not feel bad that they've murdered somebody? Why? Because the law has been removed from our society. Okay? There are people that are in prison today that have, that have harmed people, that have harmed Children, do you realize that they want laws in the books right now that pedophilia is just a sickness? They're trying. No, they're, not, they're trying to pass. They're trying. They're starting to talk about these things. That if an adult has a attraction to children and wants to harm children, you and I can't say, "Hey, you know, you're that's wrong." Instead, we're supposed to show compassion and just say, "Ah, that's how they were born." No, no, no. Listen, listen. This is what happens when we remove we remove what is right and wrong. And so when there is a place of what is right and wrong, and, and we do give the law to our children, okay, we do give them rules and regulations and things like that, what that can do is it can bring about conviction. It can bring about, okay, I've done wrong. I have lied. Well, who told me that lying was wrong? Well, God told me that lying was wrong. The Word of God did. And so, you know, I stole something. I feel bad about that. Okay? And why? Because of the Word of God. Things like that. Okay? And so, you and I know, as adults, how it works. Only when you apply a standard of measurement to a board do you realize that you came up short. Right? Only until you, you know, all right, that's, yeah, that's, that's 12 inches. Well, then you put a ruler on there and it's like, oh, man, that was only 11 and a half inches. Well, guess what? For all have sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. And so this law is actually, honestly, it's a beautiful, it, this is going to sound like a total oxymoron. 
It's a beautiful grace of God that he would give us rules and regulations and things like that, do's and don'ts, uh, he, that, he would, that, that he'd give us lines. Why? Because when we step over them, it's the grace of God to allow that to bring about conviction in us because we all have a moral code. We all have a conscience. And how do we have a conscience and a moral code? Because we have a moral lawgiver. And God gave us that. Okay? And so, you turn to 1 John real quick. 1 John chapter 3. So here's where we're going to try to start balancing the two. Because here's what happens. You know what the law does? The law, the law breaks us. The law, the law condemns us. And I tell you that's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay? Um, our hearts are going to tell us that we don't measure up. Our children's hearts are going to tell them that they don't measure up if we properly use the law. Okay? They're going to they're going to realize that they're that they're coming up short. That is a good thing. Your children will not be perfect. Okay? They're going to mess up. I'm not saying that messing up is good, but in the end, those things can all drive them to uh, to God. Look at verse number 19 of I don't know if I told you the chapter. 1 John 3:19. And hereby know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Okay, And so here's where, here's where you begin to, begin to dovetail the two together. You begin to understand that the law is going to naturally cause your heart to condemn yourself. Because in a moment, we're going to see that we can't possibly keep it. Okay? But what that does is, hopefully, as a believer, you've, you've trusted Christ, and God gives, you a, God gives you a greater word. Your heart says, you lousy person, how dare you say that? How dare you think that? How dare you go there? And your heart is going to naturally condemn you. But look for a story, for our heart condemn us, but God is greater than our heart. And he knoweth all things. So it's easy to elevate our feelings. It's easy to elevate our emotions. It's easy to elevate our hearts over the truth of who God says we are. Okay, It's easy to do that. But John tells us we cannot do that and still be at rest and still be at peace. We need a, we need a greater word. The law will do one thing, but, but you need a greater word. Now there's a lot of different ways that we... That we try to we, that we try to deal with these emotions of unrest before God. Okay, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways. One of the ways we try to deal with the unrest, one of the ways we try to deal with the kind of guilt before God, is we do religion. Okay, we do religious things, and here's what religion promises: religion promises rest for your heart by working. By doing, by thinking, and by acting correctly. Religion comes to our hearts and it says, hey, you can, you can get over the guilt of you just stepped over the law. You can get over the guilt by working really hard at being moral. At working really hard at being righteous. So that the guilt of being immoral and the guilt of unrighteousness leaves. But let me say this, that's madness. 
Because here's the question that I begin to will begin to naturally ask myself. How many good deeds does it take to deal with the guilt? How many good thoughts does it take to deal with the unrest? How many hours of Bible reading? Again, I'm not against doing right, thinking right, reading our Bible. But, but if, if, if it's based on a performance, how much do you have to perform? Do you have to read for 10 minutes? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? An hour? 24 hours? Oh man, you'd be really spiritual. If all you ever did was read the Bible, right? I actually don't think you would be. <laughs> it was, it was, just think about it. If all we ever did, it was just all we ever did was do is pray. And I get we're to pray without ceasing and always kind of kind of just be talking with the Lord. I get that. Okay? Always be ready, you know, to pray. But listen, we can never know the answers to those simple questions of, okay, well, how how many good thoughts or how many good deeds and we ought to do good deeds and we ought to think righteous thoughts and we ought to do all of those things but if we're resting in us doing those things we're never going to get over the guilt well then you know how other people get over the guilt they do like non-religious things right they just be like you know what i don't need god to take care of this i'm going to take care of it myself i'm going to just dive into you know uh non-religious things i'm going to ask me, my God, me, to remove all the guilt that I feel. And people do that in relationships, right? They do that in um, financial things and, you know, all those kinds of things. But you and I know that uh, the, the beauty of a car wears off after a while, right? I, I, I still love my car. Uh, but I don't love it like I used to. Here's what I mean. I used to buy it. You know, I got like a little small compact car. But, man, I would like, you know, I'd find, try to find the biggest parking space in the world, Costco, about three years ago, they redid their uh, they redid their parking lot, and there's like this one place where they couldn't squeeze two in, so they just made it one. And Dave would be perfect for your big truck, but often, man, my little Jeep Compass goes right in there, you know, and it's like you can open up both doors, plus you can walk around both doors, you're not gonna be anywhere near the car. And then somebody decided that they was there was enough room to get in there next to me, even though there wasn't an extra line. Dinged my doors. How many of you ever had your doors dinged? Yeah. And guess what? You get mad? Well, quit looking at me like that. I know you do the same thing. I used to park like a mile away and say, hey, it's exercise. No, it's an idol. At least in my life. If, it's for, if you park far away for exercise, good for you. For me, it was straight an idol. You start getting dings and this and that. Guess what? The luster of that brand new car wears off. It says compact. I'm like, yeah, I'm compact. I'm going to get in there. Get as close as I can. Okay, the reality is, is that relationships, I'm not saying in marriage, things like that, but a lot of times the way the world looks to things, hey, uh, just a new relationship, hey, if I can just get this, I can get that. And all those things outside of God, they are, they all become nothing. Okay, and so the restlessness returns. We need something beyond religion, something beyond non-religion to deal with the crushing reality that we don't measure up. Can I show us how we don't measure up? Turn to Matthew 5 real quick, please. Matthew 5. I just want to remind you real quick of what the standard actually is. And this is really, really, really good to remind your kiddos. Matthew 5.
Sermon on the Mount, verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you a question. We'll get further down into the context, but I am not setting you up exactly. Was Jesus actually teaching that you could attain this heaven on your own? What do you think? Didn't he say that if your righteousness exceeded the scribes and the Pharisees? What's that? Ah, words matter, don't they? But what if they had? Were the scribes and the Pharisees perfect? Huh? How did, how did Jesus describe them? Who, who, who remembers just maybe one of the phrases that Jesus used to describe the Pharisees? Why did sepulchers? Andrew, what do you think that meant? So sometimes, do we as parents, let's apply this as parenting or maybe beyond it, sometimes do we focus more on the exterior of our children than we do on the heart of our children? We do, don't we? Why? Because oftentimes the exterior is the reflection of the parent. And we as the parent, we want to look good, right? We don't, we don't want to be embarrassed and things like that. Jump down to verse number 48. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Peter said it this way, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation or all manner of life. Be holy in all manner of life because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. How are you guys doing with that? Not good. Be holy. So I am holy. Okay? So if you think about it, your children, they need more than the law, don't they? But often the law is where we, we use the law a lot. I was kind of hinting, I think you probably figured it out, that we use the tool that we often go towards with our children is the law. Is the, is the rules and the regulation. Do we need those? Yes. 100%. But we can't, but we can't stop there. Okay? Because we've got to, we've got to see what the purpose of that law is for. Okay? God's law is the ultimate human measuring system. Okay? The law is very good at exposing <laughs> that we, that we can't um, that we can't keep these things, that we couldn't possibly uh, do so. Okay, and so uh, it is good for your children to be regularly exposed by the law and exposed to it. So that comes to our second point. Okay, so first point is is that uh, you and I, your child needs the law. Okay, let, let me give you another point here. Your child needs to understand the law's weakness. Okay, I think you actually ought to. Teach your children this. 
the law's weakness. And then we're going to build on it with one more point. I'm, I'm, going, to try to, I'm going to try to hasten here. Okay? Your, your child absolutely needs the law. 100%. The world needs the law. Okay? And uh, they absolutely need it. But it's very dangerous as a person or a parent to daily ask the law to do something that it could never do. All right? And I'm afraid that many Christian parents, certainly me at times, do exactly that, wanting the law to produce something in my children, and sometimes we don't even know that we do it. Okay? Sometimes we've reduced uh, Christian parenting down to being really faithful lawgiver, the judge, the jury, and the jailer. <laughs> All of everything. We're, we're, we're at all. And so our parenting is basically a body of rules that begins, that then is followed by um, jail time or followed by punishment. And that's where I want you to kind of, if, if you're a parent, tr- try to view the last six weeks. Be, be, be fair to it. Is it just about, hey, here's your rule. You broke that rule. Now here's your punishment. Now let me ask you a question. Should there be a punishment when we break the rules? Yes or no? Yeah, that was kind of weak. You think I'm setting you up somehow, right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Right? When you this is a 25 mile an hour McGarvey here. Okay, when you go when you go 50 miles an hour and you break that, you should get a ticket, right? How many of you don't want a ticket when you do that? Yeah, me neither. Right? But we should, right? So we, so we did break the law. So now hear me, hear me, please. Children need rules, and they need faithful correction, but that simply is not enough. I want you to think with me. If, if, if all our children needed were, or, or needed was the knowledge and the enforcement of rules, why would Jesus Christ have had to come, live sinlessly, die on the cross, be buried, and raised again three days later? If all it was about was, hey, if you can keep this law, you'll be good. Obviously, we know the answer to that. Christ would never have had to come. Jesus came because the law was good. But definitely not enough to solve the great human dilemma of sin. Remember what's the greatest danger of all yet the, the, the children that come into the world. It's themselves. They've got to be saved from the threats of themselves. Okay? Sin is their, is their greatest problem. It's not what could be done unto them. It's not the evilness of this world. And certainly we want to you know, kind of keep our children from some of those things as long as we can. But ultimately that's not the greatest problem. The greatest problem is themselves. It's the sin nature within them. Okay? And so this is what every parent of every child needs to understand. The law does a very good job of exposing your child's sin. That is a good, good, good thing. But it has no power whatsoever to deliver your child from it. None whatsoever. The law has no ability to rescue the next generation or your child out of the power of sin's grip. The law has no ability to give your child a new heart. Turn to Galatians 3, please. Galatians 3. As you're turning there, Listen, the law cannot and will not rescue, redeem, restore your child. And that is exactly what every single child needs. 
Okay? So if you're going to go, if, if, if you're going to be a tool in God's hands, remember that was our very first lesson, that we're all ambassadors, we're all tools in the hands of God to shape the next generation, whether it's our children or not. Okay? It's to shape the next generation. It's to be, uh, it's to be an ambassador. Okay? And so if that's what we're going to be, then we're going to need more than God's law in the personal parenting toolbox. Okay? It's absolutely needed. But look at verse number 23. Galatians 3. This is interesting when you, when you actually study it. And I'll give you some of my study here. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should hereafterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our, talk to me, schoolmaster. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Okay, now let me define the way uh, Thayer's defines the word schoolmaster. Okay, now, oftentimes uh, people think of a schoolmaster as a as a tutor. Okay, but there is a far there's a far deeper deeper meaning to the word schoolmaster, and here's what it means: it means a guardian or a guide of boys. Okay? So the way it would have been used in, in the Roman and Greek culture, uh, this name was applied to trustworthy slaves who were charged with the duty of supervising the life and the moral boys belonging to the slave owners or to the better class. We know that there's no classes with God, but in our society there have been classes okay and so these schoolmaster would be a very very trustworthy um, slave and they would and they would take care of the kind of the training of the slaves children the boys basically so the boys were not allowed so much as to step out of the house without them before they arrived to the age of manhood so until they were a man they would always go out with this schoolmaster or with this guide, this person that would uh, that, that, that would help them. So the point of the law back then and now was to teach about sin, and it was to teach about the need for Christ. Look at verse number 25. Okay, so we kind of going to see this word schoolmaster again. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith. In Christ Jesus, okay? And so what, what, what Paul is saying here to the church at Galatia, don't have told, I don't have time to even go into to, to all this background here, but what he was saying was is that prior to salvation, that the schoolmaster, or prior to faith, that the law, okay, I mean, it would just, it would just guide, and, guide and direct you, okay? But then faith came, or salvation came. They accepted Christ as their Savior. And what Paul is saying is, is now that schoolmaster is no longer the guide. Okay? Let me... Um, uh, I, 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 had a, I had an old Bible from many years ago um, and by Schofield. I don't know if you've ever heard of that name or not. But here's what he says. The argument does not turn upon the nature of the schoolmaster's authority but upon the fact that it wholly ceased when the child became an adult. The adult son does voluntarily that which formerly he did 
in fear of the schoolmaster. Okay, so that was just take take Christianity out of uh, out of the picture. So back in the day, the schoolmaster would say, "Hey, this is what you got to do. This is what you got. This is what you do." While they're a child, but now they become an adult, and that schoolmaster is no longer needed because they're supposed to do everything that they were trained. Okay. Here's Schofield goes on to say, but even if he does not, it is no longer a question between the son and the schoolmaster, the law, but between the son and his father, God. So that's where the Christianity would come in. In other words, when we got saved, our authority or the one we strive to please changes. Our object was no longer a list of do's and don'ts but it became a relationship with Christ. Man, I'm out of time. We're not careful. We will literally legislate what means do's and don'ts, the Holy Spirit of God out of our, the Holy Spirit of God's working out of our children's lives. Here's what I mean by that. If all we ever do, and I've talked about this with many of you uh, dads before, kind of over the years, if all we ever do is give them, okay, here's a, you know, here's a song you can't listen to, here's a, you know, and if all we're ever doing is saying, here's what you cannot do, guess what? Those songs are always changing, right? The new, uh, the new hip thing is always changing, okay? Uh, don't, don't judge me. Back in the day, I used to like literally preach against MySpace. Okay? I don't preach against that stuff anymore. You know what? I want to preach. I want to preach. Obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because things change. I mean, I remember, oh, ah, it's not important. Maybe if you want to talk to me later about what we used to do, it's crazy back in the day to just like try to catch the teens. It's horrible. It's, it's disgusting, actually, what it was. But if we're not careful, we will have taught our kids. Here's what you do, here's what you do, here's what you do, here's what you do, here's what you don't do, here's what you don't do, here's what you don't do. And we're not ever pushing them to Christ. We're not ever pushing them to grace. We're not ever push, pushing them to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? There's going to come a day when the schoolmaster is no longer there. You, as the adult. And if we've not allowed them to learn what is their relationship, hopefully they've trusted Christ by this time, now you've got a different schoolmaster. The different schoolmaster is Christ. It's not the law. And man, I mean, we're opening up Pandora's box of theology here that we could just go on and preach through the book of Galatians. But listen, our, our object as a parent, yes, we want the do's and the don'ts, but our goal ought to be we're going to get them from these do's and don'ts to a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. That'll say, no, don't do that. Yes, do that. Yes, say this. Don't say that. And you know what? If we're not careful, we will put, and I've been so guilty of this, we will put a box around our kids and we'll say, in here is safety. Now, let me ask you a question. Are there safety inside God boxes? Yes or no? Yes, there are. But if we, if, if we don't ever let them realize that God's the one that's the actual box, the Holy Spirit's the one that's the actual box. Clear-cut line in the Scripture? Don't cross that. Gray areas, and we went through a series on that. Glorifying God in the gray areas. Okay? And I'm completely out of time. But here's what you need to do. We need to try to we need to try to mix the two. We need to try to mix the law with grace. 
every single opportunity, every every awkwardness, every uh, teen teenager chaotic moment, okay, the gospel needs to be preached to your kiddos, okay, that Christ meets all of those needs in all of those areas. Okay, I've gone way too long. Hopefully something was a blessing. Trying, and I'm not saying that I got the answers, but trying to mix the law and grace together for uh, what uh, the, the, the intended purpose. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. I pray that God you would uh, bless this time now. I pray